Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Beyond the Valley. Hello and welcome to another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. I'm Arjun Karpal in Guangzhou, China. Now, as I'm recording this episode, there is a lot going on in the world. One of the big stories, of course, is the rising tensions between the US and China with technology caught in the middle. And on Beyond the Valley, we've addressed that issue through a number of lenses, from looking at China's technology policy to the importance of 5G. But today, I want to focus on another area that is core to all of these things, that is semiconductors. Chips are central to so many of the technologies we use, from smartphones to our laptops. There are different types of semiconductors, and they form critical parts of the technology stack, as it were. In today's episode, we are going to hear from an expert on the semiconductor industry on what China is doing in the space, how tensions with the US are affecting its progress, and ultimately whether China can catch up. But I want to take you through this story, starting with how incredibly complex the semiconductor supply chain is. It's not just about a company manufacturing some chips. There is a design and all the tools that go into that. There is figuring out how these semiconductors fit into devices so much along the way. Now, the US has typically been strong in so many of these areas from the equipment acquired for design through to manufacturing. But Taiwan and South Korea have been strong in areas like manufacturing as well. Still, they rely on equipment from the US. Or perhaps they might need what's known as an extreme ultraviolet or EUV lithography system supplied by Dutch firm ASML. More about that from our guest on this episode who I'm going to introduce very shortly. But that gives you a sense of the complexity of semiconductors and their importance. Now on to China because Chinese firms still rely heavily on chips from say Qualcomm in the US. They were using chips manufactured say by TSMC in Taiwan. The industry in China relies on a lot of foreign companies and equipment. China has realized that. Over the past few years, China has been putting a focus on chips. Semiconductors are a part of the so-called Made in China 2025 Industrial Plan, a government initiative that aims to boost the production of high-value products. China aims to produce 40% of the semiconductors it uses by 2020 and 70% by 2025. That's backed by tens of billions of dollars of investment from Beijing into the country's chip industry. Now that push to become more self-reliant on semiconductors has only been given a boost by the US-China trade war and the fact Washington has specifically targeted China's access to key chips. I want to introduce Dan Wang now, an analyst at Gavakao Dragonomics, a Beijing-based research firm. He focuses very much on the semiconductor industry and the impact of the US moves on the sector. I started our conversation by asking why China has focused so much on semiconductors and where China stands right now versus the US. Well, Arjun, I think the semiconductors are very important to China for two broad reasons. The first major reason is that uh, semiconductors underpin pretty much all digital technologies, including all electronics. So you really cannot have working computers or phones uh, or many other sorts of electronic devices. Even automobiles now are full of semiconductors. Uh, and so without semiconductors, uh, you really cannot master uh, the real commanding heights of technology. So first of all, the Chinese leadership realizes that in order to become a real technological power, uh, China needs to master a variety of different technologies and semiconductors is really core among all of them. 
Another major reason that semiconductors are important is that China simply imports a great deal of it. So China imports hundreds of billions of dollars of semiconductors uh, every single year, more than it does crude oil. And so it is highly dependent on foreign supply. And as you point out, the U.S. has been much more withholding of that supply. So without semiconductors, China cannot be a very meaningful technological power, and its own technology companies, including a major company like Huawei, may not necessarily be able to maintain operations if China does not have substantial capability to actually maintain and manufacture semiconductors. So that brings us to the question, I guess: Where does China stand right now in terms of the expertise it has in semiconductors versus, say, the U.S. and also some of the other major areas like South Korea and Taiwan? Well, the value chain for semiconductors is fairly complicated,、uh, and to give you just a very rough sense of how things stand, I think the first thing to note is that the U.S. is a very important player,、uh, and it is almost a monopolist in a lot of types of semiconductor technology. So you know, if you think about semiconductors, it's not just about the ability to manufacture semiconductors. The U.S. still has a very substantial semiconductor manufacturer, namely Intel, which makes microprocessors.、Uh, but Intel has been fall has fallen slightly behind a couple of the other、uh, players in actually doing the most advanced work of manufacturing. But where the U.S. really is very substantially ahead is in uh, the. Uh, The design of a lot of different types of semiconductors, with companies like Nvidia and Qualcomm be,、uh, very much being the leaders of the space, as well as being、uh, very important in actually manufacturing the equipment to match to actually make the semiconductors. So, without equipment from companies like Lam Research and KLA Tencore and Applied Materials, it is very hard indeed to actually manufacture a semiconductor. Now, as you point out, Korea and Taiwan have very substantial positions here. Korea is、uh, mainly a player in memory, and、uh, Taiwan has a major company called TSMC that actually、uh, produces and manufactures many of the most advanced chips in the world, including for、uh, Apple and Qualcomm and Nvidia. Now, where China stands is、uh, much weaker in general、uh, than these other countries. So China has a relatively sophisticated design operation,、uh, mainly led by Huawei's high silicon subsidiary.、Uh, there are some other players here that are designing fairly sophisticated chips, but in terms of manufacturing, it is around five years behind the technology leader, namely TSMC, if not quite a bit more than five years. In terms of memory,、uh, it is、uh, offering some products that it claims to be competitive with Samsung. So it is a little bit less behind here, but it is still fairly behind、uh, in terms of、uh, actually having the equipment to actually produce the semiconductors. China is very far behind.、Uh, so without access to U.S. and、uh, Dutch and Japanese tools, China really does not have much of a position here. With rising U.S. and China tensions, Washington has taken actions to try to hit China's semiconductor industry and its technology companies. First, in May 2020, Washington amended a rule which requires foreign manufacturers using American chip-making equipment to get a license before they're able to sell semiconductors to Huawei. Now, Huawei uses its own chips in its smartphones under a brand name called Kirin. Those Kirin chips are designed by Huawei's high silicon division, but are actually manufactured by TSMC. Now TSMC would be using some American equipment in its manufacturing process. Therefore, they can no longer make chips for Huawei after that new rule. See how it goes back to the fact that American equipment is key in the semiconductor supply chain. 
Now, China has its own rival to TSMC. That company is called Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, or SMIC. SMIC and TSMC are what are called contract chip makers. They take designs and, and then manufacture them. TSMC is at the leading edge of chip making. SMIC, however, is quite far behind in terms of technology. Another big issue is that SMIC also uses American equipment in its manufacturing process. And now the US is considering putting SMIC on a blacklist known as the Entity List. That would mean any American exports to the company would require a license from the US. There is no guarantee that license would be granted either. If SMIC is blacklisted, that could hurt the company's development. It's pretty critical as well to China's broader ambition in semiconductors. Again, it goes back to China's reliance on foreign gear, which is clearly a big challenge for its industry. In a recent statement, SMIC said, quote, The company is in complete shock and perplexity to the news. Nevertheless, SMIC is open to sincere and transparent communication with the US government agencies in hope of resolving potential misunderstandings, unquote. I want to bring you back to the conversation with Dan Wang. I asked him, with China's reliance on American gear, how big a challenge it is for China to catch up with the US. It is a very substantial challenge indeed. Now, uh, as you put it, uh, the US is, uh, has this equipment. Now, uh, and, and it's not just the term in terms of the equipment that actually manufacture the semiconductors that Chinese firms need. It is also software, namely EDA tools that uh, the U.S. Uh, is, uh, again, uh, has a lot of the technology that Chinese firms uh, do not have. So the Chinese firms uh, need not only to be able to actually manufacture the leading edge chips, they actually also need to be able to produce the tooling uh, to actually manufacture these chips. Now, the tooling is very, very complicated. Uh, if you I take a look at a top of the line uh, EUV machine from Dutch firm ASML, uh, basically, these things cost around $150 million. Uh, they're the size of a bus. Uh, they're really playing with pure light physics and chemistry. And China really has no position actually manufacturing one of these things. Uh, and so without these tools, uh, China is very far behind. And even when it had mostly unfettered access to the leading tools and materials on the market, China hasn't really been able to catch up. If the U.S. knocks out a lot of the ability of Chinese firms to actually have leading tools, then they're going to far even for, fall even further behind because they will need the rest of the industry to catch up uh, before they can make very substantial progress again. And so what happens then, do you think, in the short term? Huawei is an interesting company in all of this because it was designing chips through its high silicon unit, eventually getting those manufactured by TSMC. They've come under some pressure from the US, of course, and it appears that their access to TSMC's manufacturing has essentially been blocked. And so the other is, as you mentioned, the chip makers here, particularly SMIC, still hasn't caught up to the latest processes that, say, TSMC or Samsung are carrying out right now. So Huawei can't wholly rely on Chinese manufacturers. So will there be some pain for sort of Chinese tech industry that rely on semiconductors and the semiconductor industry as a whole in the short term? Yes, and China's leading semiconductor designer, Huawei, is already in considerable pain. Now, uh, on September 15th, it will be very difficult for Huawei to have any of its own semiconductors made because of extraterritorial U.S. assertions of its law. So uh, Huawei is already in pretty uh, substantial pain. 
And even before any of the recent news on SMIC, the U.S. State Department carried out a months-long campaign, as reported by Reuters, to pressure Dutch firm ASML not to sell the most advanced EUV tools to uh, to SMIC. So basically, uh, in the short term, uh, China's leading uh, semiconductor designer is already in trouble, uh, and also the manufacturer may well face uh, very substantial challenges uh, going down the road. One thing we have seen, though, is China really over the past two years come out with various incentives for the industry. I think most recently was a round of tax breaks. Do these incentives give any kind of boost to the industry as you look at it? On the margin, I'm sure that these things can be some help. But in my view, China's uh, semiconductor industry does not lack for money, and its main problems are not a shortage of funding. Of course, funding helps a great deal, and that's always worth mentioning. But China's industry has always been uh, fairly far behind, uh, and that's mostly, in my view, because it has not had the substantial enough uh, ecosystem of engineers uh, and academics and people really working with these things to really be able to push the technological frontier forward. Uh, They've always been stuck behind, uh, mostly making commodity margins, when the leaders are able to make much more substantial uh, margins because they've been further ahead on the technology. And the Chinese government has always been pretty forthcoming with funding that uh, Chinese firms need. Uh, OECD has uh, prepared a report on the scale of Chinese Uh, access of subsidies. And OECD has found that a lot of the subsidy comes in the form of below market rates of equity. And so basically, Chinese firms have always had fairly generous support from the Chinese government. They haven't really caught up yet. And I think the challenges are uh, ever more substantial. We'll get right back to the conversation after this short message. Subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Now, it's not all doom and gloom for China's semiconductor industry. There are some changes happening that could benefit companies in China. One of those is the idea Moore's Law is facing some challenges. Now, Moore's Law was an idea posited by Intel co-founder Gordon E. Moore that the number of transistors on a microchip doubles every two years. The idea is that the speed and capability of computing would double every two years. But since there are now challenges to this, it could provide an opening for China to catch up, according to Dan Wang. Here's what he had to say about some of China's opportunities ahead. Well, we've mostly focused on the challenges that Chinese companies face, and that is a very real, substantial, structural headwind that these companies have to deal with. But I think there are a few structural tailwinds uh, that Chinese industry enjoys, uh, and there are some nice things going on in the favor of Chinese firms. 
So one thing to point out is that China is now uh, the most of the market for semiconductors. That's uh, not only a benefit for China because a lot of these U.S. firms are advocating to maintain access to uh, the Chinese market against the restrictions of U.S. Uh, of the U.S. Uh, regulatory agencies. Uh, but also, uh, China is a large market that is able to be uh, big enough to be able to produce uh, some of the uh, important technologies. So if I think back 20 years ago, uh, China was already a large electronics market back then, but it was mostly a producer of PCs that Taiwanese firms were merely assembling in China. And these Taiwanese firms could not necessarily be convinced to buy obviously inferior Chinese chips. But, you know, China now today is a very large electronics market. It has a major PC maker. It makes around half of the world's smartphones in the world. Um, it has very large uh, makers of all sorts of ele electronic products that require semiconductors. These include uh, relatively less sophisticated items like refrigerators and televisions. And so when it has a very large base of customers, uh, there is a much bigger pool of uh, a market that Chinese semiconductor firms can rely upon to get the learning process going to become much better uh, at making chips. Another structural tailwind that Chinese firms might be able to enjoy is that it's now much more consensus in the industry that Moore's Law is if not dead, uh, facing at least some pretty big challenges. So as it becomes much more difficult and much, much more expensive to actually carry out Moore's Law, uh, meaning that it's more difficult to push out the technological frontier, the Chinese, rooms have a, the Chinese firms have a little bit more breathing room to catch up. They don't necessarily have to be always so far behind. Uh, if the people in the lead, if the companies in the lead are slowing down, then their challenges uh, become a, a little bit easier. Another factor that's in uh, the Chinese company's favor is that uh, pretty soon, I think, a lot of technologies are going to be uh, good enough uh, to meet uh, the world's capabilities. A lot of these Chinese firms are able to produce technologies at, let's say, the 28 nanometer process node, which is uh, over five years old technology at this point. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that China is very substantially behind. Now, a lot of the growth in uh, semiconductor complexity has been driven by the smartphone, and that's been a declining uh, industry for the last uh, three or four years. And so, you know, when we have basically chips in a lot more products, uh, let's say that there will be more chips in uh, traffic lights for smart cities, there will be for IoT, you know, uh, uh, chips in many other different types of products. A lot of these things do not need to be leading edge iPhone level uh, processors uh, in, let's say, a traffic light. A lot of trailing edge technology is good enough, and this is where Chinese firms are. And so we don't necessarily think that this is going to be, you know, an impossible market for Chinese firms to be competitive at. It is the case that they are facing some near-term challenges, but over the long term, they're enjoying some uh, benefits as well. So that's what the future could look like for China's semiconductor industry. This is a story that's developing quickly and one that is very firmly caught up in the geopolitics between China and the US. But I hope that this episode of Beyond the Valley has given you some insight into where China is right now in terms of its own semiconductor industry and where it's headed. Not without challenges, of course. Drop me a line. I'm on Twitter at Arjun Karpal. Let me know what you think. That's it for another episode of CNBC's Beyond the Valley. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time. Beyond the Valley.